0: I welcome you back to our little survey through the relationship between the Romans and the Jews, uh, which ultimately brings us to the destruction of Jerusalem when that relationship completely breaks apart uh, in the 60s and the early 70s of the first century. Uh, Now, last session... We went from the beginning of the relationship uh, in 160 BC, when uh, Judas Maccabee uh, engaged uh, the Jewish people in a long-standing mutual assistance treaty with the Romans, uh, until we arrive at about 12 BC, when Herod the Great is now king of the Jews, he is... For all practical purposes, uh, he is the third most powerful person in the Roman Empire. He is close personal friends with the Emperor Augustus and with his right-hand associate, Agrippa. And uh, Herod has uh, highlighted his friendship uh, by having international games every five years, Uh, at Jerusalem and in Judea, uh, where people are invited from all over uh, the Roman world to come to Judea and celebrate um, uh, the um, life under Augustus. Uh, That all started, uh, the building project started in 27, the first games were in uh, uh, 22, Uh, and uh, the second games uh, occurred in 18. And by that time, uh, he'd, Herod had already uh, started on the renovation of the Temple Mount, uh, which he is famous for in its completion. Uh, so all of the Temple Mount expansion and the building of Caesarea, the port city that would service uh, Judea. Uh, a modern port uh, with lots and lots of beauty to it. All of that was finished by 12 BC. Uh, that year, uh, the um, the Augustus Games were supposed to happen again, uh, and uh, Herod also decided he would expand it into... Uh, uh, some Ju- uh, some uh, Caesar games that would happen right there at the port city of Caesarea every five years, in sync with the ones that would happen up at Jerusalem. And he built uh, venues uh, as part of Casaria for that. Uh, there's a seaside uh, racetrack, there's a seaside theater, and we know that there were other public buildings as well. Uh, it's Interesting to me, I don't know if it'll be to you, but in 12 BC, that was the same year that the 192nd Olympiad Games were to take place, and Herod had actually been quite frustrated to discover that the Olympic Games had gone way downhill because they'd lost financial sponsors, and so he became a major sponsor. Of the Olympic Games and started bringing them back up uh, to their ancient standards. Uh, so, in uh, 12 BC, in uh, Caesarea, uh, at the dedication for this new port, um, Augustus and his wife did not attend, even though they were kind of the ones that were being honored, uh, but they did send. A whole bunch of personal and expensive items of imperial furniture that were to be used during all of the ceremonies. So 12 BC was a really big deal. And you should understand that uh, as he's doing all of these major building projects uh, around his kingdom, he's also building the supporting infrastructure needed, such as Roman roads, which are very, um, 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 very uh, durable. And so he has it done by Roman standards, and he's having Roman-style aqueducts put in all over the place, and pools to take and uh, uh, keep the water in that aqueduct system. So all of that is being done around his kingdom as well. Uh, The employment rate was exceptionally high. Jewish people were working everywhere, uh, and because of that, the Jewish economy was booming. Uh, Not only do we have this great building uh, boom going on, uh, but they've also got, every five years, a lot of, of foreign dollars, well, denarii coming in, shekels, Uh, whenever the games are taking place. Uh, And so this should help you understand why Herod has the name The Great attached to him uh, in history. It's not because he was morally great, it was because he was great in bringing the Judean kingdom underneath him to the forefront of Roman life. Uh, and uh, it became, as I've said before, one of the premier destination points within the Roman Empire. Uh, now, of course, Jesus, I believe, was born in about 7 BC. Interestingly enough, that would be the same year as the fourth Augustus Games and the 2nd Caesar Games. And so I don't know whether that plays a role into Uh, why uh, it was hard for uh, Mary and Joseph to find a room in Bethlehem or not, but uh, we know there was a lot of activity going on in the region during that particular year. And then we have the next big thing that changes things in the relationship between the Romans and the Jews, and that happens in 4 BC. Herod dies. Now, he's had a lot of turmoil in the last few years of his life by that point, deciding who was going to be uh, in charge of what uh, after his death, uh, which of his sons would be in control and things like that. Um, Some of the turmoil involved him uh, executing his own family members because he believed they were uh, involved in plots to take him out of this world uh, sooner. Uh, rather than later. And so when it was all done, when Herod died in March of 4 BC, uh, he had decided that his, I think, 17-year-old son Archelaus should assume control over Judea, Idumea, which is just the southern part of Judea, and Samaria, which is north of Judea, uh, and that his other sons would split up the northern parts of his kingdom uh, and the uh, parts on the uh, east side of the Jordan River Valley um, in tetrarchies that had been assigned to them. Well, um, before that can be made permanent, uh Herod's will has to be probated by his executor. The executor of his will is none other than Augustus Caesar. So Archelaus needs to head off to Rome to uh, be declared the king of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria like his father wanted him to be. Uh, But he ran into some problems. Uh, Some of the people were already kind of protesting against him, and and he uh, put down that protest with some violence, uh, and that's one of the reasons we read in the Scripture that Joseph, the uh, adopted father of Jesus, was not—he um, he didn't like the idea of coming back to Judea itself to live, back at Bethlehem. And so the, the angel of God tells him, no, you need to go to, to Nazareth, which was in The future ethnarchy of Herod Antipas. Uh, And so that's how that part of the Bible story happens. Well, anyway, long story short, Archelaus arrives in Rome. He is followed very closely by his brother Antipas uh, and other Jewish uh, people that want to chime in on Herod's will. And um, uh, there's a debate as to whether or not uh, Archelaus or Antipas should be uh, put on the throne at Jerusalem. Uh, There are other Jewish people that have come along saying, no, we don't want either of them. We want uh, the Sanhedrin and the high priest to govern us. Uh, And then there was another group that said, no, you know what we want? We just want all of this Hasmonean stuff to go away and we want Judea to be uh, absorbed into Roman Syria, and we want the Romans to kind of control the government uh, of our uh, area. Well, uh, Augustus listened to all of this, and eventually comes to the conclusion that he's going to stick with all the parameters of Herod's final will— with the exception, he's only going to let Archelaus be an Ethnarch, which, again, I told you before, it's the next step down from king. So he said, I'm going to make you Ethnarch, Archelaus, and if you behave yourself and do a good job, then I'll promote you to king later. Well, of course, that never happened because Archelaus was horrible. Horrible. Uh, and so in 6 AD, Archelaus had gotten so bad that uh, Jewish people were sending uh, representatives to Rome begging, uh, begging uh, Augustus Caesar to fire him, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, he removed Archelaus from the uh, ethnarchy, and then instead of letting some other son— of the late King Herod govern. He just made Judea, Idumea, and Samaria a Roman prefecture under the the ultimate oversight of the legate of Syria. And so this is how we end up uh, with there being a Roman prefect in control in Judea. Now, Augustus sent Quirinius as the new Roman legate and Caponius as the new Roman prefect, and he told them, I want you to do a complete audit of of, uh, Archelaus' finances, uh, and I want you to include uh, a new tax registration of all the people living inside the boundaries of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria. Now, when that order came out, Some of the Jewish people didn't like that. They didn't like this idea of a new uh, direct taxation by Rome. They didn't like the idea of a new assessment. uh, And uh, they complained, but the high priest Joazar told them, you just need to cooperate. This is the appropriate thing for us to do, the best thing for us to do. Uh, So the majority of Jews did cooperate. But there was a man out of Galilee, his name was Judas, and he led a brief but unsuccessful revolt against this direct taxation. And so he becomes the first of what we eventually start referring to as the zealots, those that object against direct Roman rule. Um, When... um, When it became obvious that Joazar, the high priest, had not kept the peace uh, during this whole transition phase, uh, uh, Quirinius or Caponius, one of them or both of them, uh, decided to appoint a man named Ananus as the new high priest. And this is the guy uh, that we read as kind of being the godfather of the high priesthood Uh, in the Gospel story later. Uh, He uh, remains high priest for several years, uh, but then after he's removed personally, he keeps using bribery or influence in order to get his own sons, and then ultimately his son-in-law, a man by the name of Joseph Caiaphas, who also is in the Gospel story, uh, into the role of high priest. Uh, So, Starting there in 6, um, we, we have kind of a mixture of feelings amongst the Jewish people toward uh, Roman relationships. Uh, as I said, there were some Jewish people that still—they really wanted the, the Sanhedrin to rule. Uh, they wanted complete independence from Rome. They wanted to go back to the way things used to be a long time ago. And so zealots were part of that group, but they did not use, for the most part, um, uh, uh, violence in order to accomplish those goals. They were political uh, in what they did. Uh, There were some others that really thought um, a Herod should be on the throne over Judea, Idumea, and Samaria. So these are the Herodians we read about in the New Testament. Uh, What they had in mind, I think, is that there were some grandchildren growing up now, uh, grandchildren of Princess Miriamne, uh, the wife of the late Herod. She's dead. Uh, Herod had actually killed her a long uh, long time ago. But some of her grandkids, who carried that Hasmonean bloodline, uh, were still alive. Uh, one of them was a man by the name of Herod Agrippa, and we'll be talking about him. Uh, and so those Herodians were hoping for a return to the Hasmonean rule. Uh, and, but the majority, honestly, seemed to be perfectly satisfied with this new status of Judea and Idumea and Samaria being part of the larger Roman Syria. Uh, they had their high priest taking care of things religious. They had their Sanhedrin taking care of things religious and local. Uh, but the, the Roman prefect uh, was pretty much taking care of all the logistical stuff for them. And so they seemed to be happy with that. Um, in uh, 9, we have a new prefect that comes on the scene. Uh, And then in 12, we have another prefect that comes on the scene. It seems almost as if uh, these guys are serving three-year terms uh, when Augustus is functioning as the emperor, and that kind of matches his structured approach uh, to governance. Uh, But then when 14 rolls around, Augustus himself dies— And Tiberius becomes the new emperor. Now, Tiberius, let's just be honest about it, he didn't really seem to be much of a leader. He doesn't seem to be a person that's driven to to govern. I mean, I think he likes some of the power perks, but he's not really big in the day-to-day stuff. And so eventually, he's going to just kind of disappear uh, down to the island of Capri, uh, but uh, it's the it's the Roman Republic that's still sending uh, leaders to Judea uh, to uh, govern there, uh, and so the next governor or the next prefect of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria is is Valerius Gratus, uh, and he sticks around until 26, when we have the name we all know show up. Uh, His name is Pontius Pilate. He arrives in uh, uh, apparently the middle uh, in the summer of 26 uh, as the fifth prefect of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria, and he is the next big watershed event. You have to understand that the Romans and the Jewish people were generally still in good relationship at this time. As you already heard from me, the Romans had in place laws that protected the Jewish people in their unique religious lifestyles. And that included uh, Roman rules uh, which protected the religious sensitivities of the Jews. For example, in all of these prefects that came and served uh, at Judea, Idumea, and Samaria, none of them ever allowed their Roman troopers to leave Cassaria uh, and uh, the, the Roman precinct of Caesarea, carrying their military standards that had faces or animals uh, or hands. Uh, Any type of image that the Jewish people would be uh, religiously insulted by had to be left behind when the Roman soldiers went up into Judea proper and to Jerusalem. Uh, that would have also included things on their uniforms. Uh, the soldiers that had served for a while would have military awards that had been given to them for activities they did as a soldier, and many of those had busts of the emperor or representations of gods or goddesses or, or animal images and things like that. And so they would have to take all those off whenever they went up to Jerusalem Uh, to uh, do a tour of duty. Pontius Pilate apparently arrived on the scene and decided he didn't think that was appropriate. Why should the Romans have to do that? So when he sent his um, military force uh, to change uh, the uh, tour of duty with those that were serving already at the Tower of Antonia in Jerusalem, He told them to take their military standards like usual, including the busts of uh, the emperor. Uh, And then he told them to go up and do it in the middle of the night. So the next morning when the Jewish people woke up and they were at the temple and they were worshiping, they looked up and there were Roman soldiers on duty as usual, but these guys had images They had images on their Roman military standards. They had images on their uniforms. And that upset these Jewish people, as you might expect. This is the first time that the Jewish people uh, have been intentionally affronted by Roman images. And so uh, a group went down to Caesarea, and they carried out six days of demonstrations against this, asking the new prefect to uh, order these things taken back. Uh, On day number six, uh, Pilate had apparently had enough, and so he uh, surrounded them, the demonstrators, with uh, soldiers and told them if they didn't disperse, he would punish them, at which the demonstrators pulled the clothing away from their necks and offered their throats to be cut, saying that it would be better dead than to have those images on the Temple Mount and at Jerusalem. And so, um, Pilate blinked. When Pilate saw that they were that devoted to their religious principles, he recalled all of those images and went back to the procedures they'd had before. So this should give you some sense of the the high priority uh, that Jewish religious sensitivity had amongst the Romans in Judea uh, during this uh, period of time. Uh, I believe that it's likely that Herod Antipas's antipathy, his hatred toward Pilate probably began with this incident. If you remember, uh, he and Pilate did not get along until uh, the day that uh, uh, he sent um, Jesus over to be interviewed by him. Uh, Speaking of which, we bring that to one more event, of um, Pilate's administration that is cited uh, in the gospel story somehow. In 32, so that's the third year of Jesus' ministry, uh, Pilate uh, felt that the the Temple Mount, the Jewish authorities uh, that were on the Temple Mount, because the temple was a major consumer of water, they needed to pay the largest portion for the construction of a new aqueduct system. Uh, And uh, when they first refused, Pilate forced the issue and made them pay. I'm not sure exactly how he did that, but he did. Uh, And so temple funds were used to construct this new uh, aqueduct. Now, that precipitated another demonstration against Pilate. Uh, Tens of thousands of Jews gathered uh, in Jerusalem to complain that Pilate had stolen uh, sacred funds. Uh, When Pilate ordered them to disperse, They refused to do so, so he had his soldiers enforce the order, and that resulted in the deaths of some of these Jewish people. Uh, And if you go to Luke chapter 13, uh, verse number one, uh, some people come and ask Jesus about these Jewish people whose blood Pilate had recently mixed with their sacrifices, and this is a reference to the aqueduct um, uh, demonstration and Pilate putting it down. Uh, now, of course, Jesus used that to say, look, you think there were sinners than anyone else? Let me tell you this, if you don't repent, it's going to be worse for you, uh, because, of course, having Pilate judge you is not nearly as significant as having God judge you. Well, Jesus, of course, died, rose again, ascended on high, and the church was born in 33. And so, that's where we'll put our next marker when we continue talking more about the Jewish-Roman relationship.